We're in a series of messages uh, that our youth have been working on over the course of this past semester, mostly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this morning, we're coming to uh, the story of Joseph, and the, the study and preparation has been done uh, by Kevin Lawler. And uh, as, we, uh, as, as we kind of introduce this, I just want to say... Kevin, um, I deeply respect your faith and your commitment to Christ and the way that you live that out. Um, I'm very blessed to be a part of your life, and I just I'm looking forward to this and hearing God speak through you. And uh, so you chose the story of Joseph, correct? Yes. Why did you do that? Well, I chose Joseph because when I was little, that was a story that I found interesting. Okay. So, yeah. Anything that attracted you to it other than you just remembered it as a kid? No, not really. You have how many brothers? Two. Two brothers and a sister. And uh, the story of Joseph in a lot of ways is about... Brotherly love. Brotherly love. (laughs) Uh huh. Um, all right. So, uh, <laughs> um, take us. You've you've picked two passages out of kind of the end of the story, where where things get kind of wrapped up. And uh, prior to that, it's all kind of a huge mess. Is that fair to say? Yes. Can you walk us through uh, those stages of Joseph's life, going from blessed to horrific and kind of walk us through that roller coaster that he was on and and help us understand where we are in the story when we pick up the passages you've chosen to read okay so um first is that joseph at that time he was the youngest son when he was born Mm -hmm. and that's true for all of us when we're born i think (laughs) yeah yeah sorry go ahead (laughs) um that Joseph. I didn't say I was going to be nice. <laughs> Go ahead. That, um, basically, Joseph's is his father's favorite son, and his brothers are jealous of that because one reason is they have to work the field while he just writes. And sits there in his pretty coat. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got to work the land and all that. Okay. And so they're all jealous. What happens next? Um, basically, they throw him in a pit, then sell him to slavery. And tell his father that he was eaten by wolves. Okay. So there's a little bit of uh, betrayal and then some deceit. The story gets interesting. Uh, and now Joseph is where? Um, well, he becomes a slave and he goes, um, Potiphar, is that the name? Correct. Potiphar. Um, household, and he rises to be the most trusted servant. But then his wife likes him because Potiphar's wife Potiphar's wife likes yep. him and tries to seduce him okay he doesn't go for it and he runs away but then his wife well Potiphar's wife accuses him of uh, assaulting her yes basically okay. sexual assault alright so the story gets even more interesting then he gets thrown in jail so Potiphar has him thrown in jail because and his wife has accused him of this alright 
And then he meets two people, um, a bread maker and um, a cupbearer. A cupbearer. Yep. Yeah. Then he gives, they have visions. Well, they have dreams, and he tells them what the vision means. Yes. And he says, one's going to die in three days, and one's going to be forgiving in three days. Okay. And he tells the cupbearer to tell Pharaoh about him after he's out, which he doesn't at that time until many years later. He waits several years, and then Pharaoh has a dream, and and the cupbearer says, hey, I know a guy who's rotting in prison. Okay. And then um, Joseph, well, Pharaoh takes, calls upon Joseph, and Joseph tells what the visions mean. And since it was true, he becomes basically the second command of all of Egypt. Great. Yeah, so the, the dream that Pharaoh had had was that there was going to be, uh, there were like seven good cows and seven skinny cows. And Joseph says it's going to be seven good years of harvest and then seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh was able to use Joseph to sort of prepare during those seven good years to store up enough food to get him through the seven years of famine. Um, And uh, Joseph becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt, as you said. And then during the famine, what happens? Well, um, his brothers come along the first year and ask for a grain, which he doesn't tell them right away who he is. He tries to test them. Okay. So he... So you think Joseph has a little little bit of, so like, some trust issues at this point in his life? Yeah. Maybe? Maybe a little bit? Okay. Yeah. So he's not perfect. That's good. Um, okay, so he puts a little test on his brothers, and he really kind of tricks them into bringing him uh, his little brother, Yeah. the youngest, who's his, his mother's youngest, you know, other son who's who he really wants to see and uh so he tricks them into bringing him and then there's this little cup deception set up he plants and then he accuses the and the, yeah it gets interesting um okay so at this point he's asked his well at some point i think it's after this next verse he asks his brothers to go back and get his dad but at this point um he is going to reveal to his brothers, the second most powerful man in Egypt is going to reveal to his brothers that he's the guy they betrayed and sold into slavery all those years ago. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. All right. So why don't you read that section for us from Genesis 45, verses 1 through 15. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life for the famine has been in the land for for these two years and there are yet five years in which they will be neither plowing nor harvest and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth 
and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and forward to all his house and rule over all the land to, of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. 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 And you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for these are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After this, after that, his brothers talked with them. Okay. So there's a, a tearful reunion. What do you think his brothers are thinking at this point? Um, two things. One, yay, he's alive. And the other thing is, oh, crap. Yeah, that's <laughs> well put. Well put. You got to hear that in church. Yeah. All right. Um, that doesn't mean you can repeat it to your mother at any point, ever. Yeah. Just checking. Just being clear. All right. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty well said. Um, and uh, so they go get dad. Um, they bring him back. Joseph gets to reunite with his father, right? Mm-hmm. Am I getting this right? Yes. Okay. And, uh, and then dad passes away. You're about to take us into that section, right? Yes. So, um, and dad is who? Um, dad is. Starts with a J. Jacob. 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 Yes. All right. Also known as Israel. Okay. Right. And, uh, so dad passes away and the older brothers are concerned that without the restraint of dad's presence the second most powerful man in Egypt might just show brotherly love back show brotherly love back to them good all right so uh take us into genesis chapter 50 verses 15 through 21 please When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all that evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am for I am, am I, I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph's brothers have still not stopped scheming they scheme their own forgiveness. That's kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah. It's what brothers do. It's what brothers do. 
All right. You intuitively get this. Yeah. Um, and so here we are uh, at the end of this story, and Joseph has this amazing perspective on the whole thing. Um, would you expect your brother to have that kind of perspective if you had wronged him and he'd suffered for that many years? Uh, was that, would that be what you would natively think his perspective would be? I hope so. You hope so. But you would also probably be inclined to scheme just in case it wasn't, right? A backup plan. A backup plan. Good. All right. And so uh, they work their backup plan, and Joseph forgives. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you were studying these 12, 15, 20, 25 chapters or so of Genesis, um, just to kind of get a feel for the story, the way it flows, the, the facts that are in it, what jumped off the pages at you? Well, one thing was that Pharaoh favored toward Joseph because when you're young, one story you mainly know about the Old Testament is um, Moses and they portrayed Pharaoh as bad, evil, but in this story, they portrayed Pharaoh as good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so Pharaoh has this very favorable relationship with Joseph, and so the, the, the relationship between the Jewish people and Pharaoh actually starts off on a pretty good note, right? Yes. Okay, and that was a surprise to you. Anything else? Um, that prophet's wife. And when I read this story when I was a child, they kind of skipped over that part. It just goes, something happened, it gets thrown in jail, you know. So when we cover this in Hope for Kids, we kind of leave out the, the seduction of Potiphar's wife, and probably rightfully so, right? Um, but it gets a little racy. I mean, this is a good Bible story, man. You've got betrayal, you've got you know, kind of some sexual uh, uh, intrigue, right? And then more betrayal and then suffering and, um, and then uh, God kind of pulls it all together, right? Yes. All right. So, okay, good observations. Um, main point of the story of Joseph. That God has a bigger plan for you. God has a bigger plan for your life. All right, very good. Um, and I mean, that's really, that's the perspective that Joseph adopts at the end of the story and kind of leaves you with this abiding sense that God's working his plan. And we don't always see it in the moment. It's not always pleasant, but God is working his plan. Okay, um, give us some of the life lessons that you've picked up on from the story of Joseph. Well, one is life is not all roses and pixie dust, which means just because you're a Christian doesn't mean your life's going to be fantastic. All right. That's beautifully said. Um, So, and those were your words, right? I like that, so we ran with it. Uh, Life is not all roses and pixie dust. Even for those who enjoy God's favor, life can be difficult. Yeah, because God doesn't want... Well, God wants you to have joy, doesn't, but he doesn't want you to have happiness all the time. Yes, I, I concur. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've said this a few times. Um, I don't think God's 
really, from what I see in my own life and the lives of those around me, I don't see that God is primarily concerned with my happiness. He's concerned with something else, right? Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Um, But in the midst of discomfort, suffering, unhappiness, we can remember... That God has a bigger plan for yourself. All right, that God has a bigger plan for your life. Okay, so next teaching point you found there. Um, that be ready to forgive. You jumped one. Go to two. Oh. We planned this. We talked about this. Stick with the plan, man. I'm, I'm just like you. I skip you around. Just jump around all over the place? All right. Well, pick a rabbit trail and go running. Come on. Okay, the second one is don't react to life out of fear. Don't react to life out of fear. Um, where do you see that in the story of Joseph, would you say? Uh, I see it when, well, one is when the brothers, when the dad dies, the brothers are like, oh, we have to do something too so he doesn't kill us. Right, they keep scheming. And, and you could even say that the you know jealousy has a fear component to it. And they when they sold him into slavery, they were kind of reacting out of fear. And um, you see this uh, recur throughout the story: people making bad decisions, kind of motivated out of fear. Um, so don't react to life out of fear. Read that next line for us. Even when you're unsatisfied with your circumstances. Okay, even when you're unsatisfied with your circumstances. And I think that's a, such a common human response. We're unsatisfied. We're afraid that life is going to stay unpleasant. And so we kind of take matters into our own hands, or we think we do, and we make bad decisions, when instead we should remember that God has a bigger plan for yourself. Okay, very good. All right, good point. Um, And then the third teaching point you pulled out of there, which you've already alluded to, uh, take us into that idea. Um, The third one is D-Ray, forgive. And even though, like, when your brothers show brotherly love, (laughs) you have to forgive them. Okay. When when they show, uh, yeah, even those who have tried to harm you by showing brotherly love, as you call it, um, uh, we still need to be prepared to forgive. Um, how good are we at that? Yeah, ask me about 20 years about that. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, and we have to be ready to forgive because... God has a bigger plan for you. God has a bigger plan for your life, okay. Um, you know, that... It, it still strikes me, you know, in this story, Joseph is even duped into forgiving his brothers. And I think the, the most important thing there is he'd already forgiven them. You know, they were already forgiven. They didn't need to scheme again. Um, but for whatever reason, they couldn't process that forgiveness. They couldn't accept it. They were carrying their own guilt. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, maybe we need to include ourselves in that last point. Right, be ready to forgive even those who've sinned against us as well as ourselves and the things that we've done. Um, okay. So one of the things that I asked you to do when you were 
reading this story and kind of putting all this together was to help us understand how this story prepares us for the coming of Christ. How, how does it point to the cross and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Can you help us make that connection between the story of Joseph and the story of Christ? Okay, one is the theme of Joseph is the same for Christ, that God has a bigger plan, because both Jesus and Joseph had bad parts in their life, but at the end, God used it. Well, people used it for bad, but then God used it for good. Okay, so they both suffered because of the sins of others, right? Yes. Okay, and then in both cases, God was able to redeem their lives, their situations, and bring about good. Is that what you're saying? Yes. All right, I like that. Um, keep going. Another one is that call to crucify Christ was a reaction out of fear. Okay, so the Jewish citizens were reacting out of fear um, and sort of compelled Pilate to finish the job and crucify Christ. And uh, in both stories, you see actions compelled by fear um, to the detriment of the protagonist, if you will. And, uh, okay, Um, so something that was meant for evil, God used it for good. good. Okay. Um, And then the last point you brought out there. Um, Joseph saved and forgave the very people who wronged him, which is the same with Jesus because the people who crucified him, he died for their sins. So, in essence, he forgave them. Yes. Pretty good. Yeah. And in that sense, um, Joseph is what we call a type of Christ. He's an Old Testament person that kind of sets a pattern in place that will be fulfilled by the Messiah later, this pattern of being wronged and suffering and uh, then forgiving the very people who sinned against him. And we see in Christ sort of the ultimate expression of that, that we sinned against him, we sin against him, he suffered and died for the forgiveness of our sins, and we enjoy the blessing of what he achieved for us. Is that fair? Yes. All right. Um, All right. Any other thoughts other than it's raining? Yeah. Well, um, I noticed that in the Old Testament, like Joseph's basically like Christ, but then you notice with when he tricks his brothers, it shows that he's actually human. Right. Yeah. The the little thing that he does with the cup and the deception and, you know, he's kind of He's kind of playing his brothers. He's beating them at their own game, right? And uh, it shows he's got some trust issues. He's not above our humanity. And so it is a way of saying, you know, this is, there are some things here that are similar to what the Messiah will bring, but this guy is not it. Don't don't heap all your hope onto this guy saving you. This is only a, a pattern in a small way that will be, magnified eternally through the work of the Messiah when he comes. All right? How about we pray? Okay. All right. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, 
Kevin's uh, devotion to studying your word and understanding what you would say to us through your word this morning. Um, We just pray that uh, you would be with us as we put your word into practice, as we learn what it means to forgive, to trust, to look at our circumstances and believe that you have a bigger plan at work in our lives. We thank you again for your son and what he has done to secure our forgiveness for eternity. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, good work. 